um, if you want to get a chumash, it will be helpful. Chumash with Rashi. It feels like Monday, but it's Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> and then one minute tomorrow's Thursday, we have to cook for Shabbos. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Just saying. Yeah, we're going to get through this. We got this. Yeah, at least we don't have three day yum tips. That, that, that Sunday I love in the, in the middle. <laughs> Good morning. As Joni pointed out, it's a Wednesday that feels like a Monday, um, but we don't want to miss out, especially at this time of the year. Um, we're learning this morning in the schus of Hashlucha, Hashuva, Masha, Bas, Bacheva, Harav Yesef Yitzchak, Basim, Chasia, and Asher Ben Avram, that they should have, or for Shalema, Ba'efen Nisi. Um, we're going to begin um, in, in our Parsha. It was actually yesterday's Chitas, Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Tes, if you have a Chumash. Um, so let's read um, the Pasuk. So the Pasuk reads, By Yichtav Moshe Satara Hazais, Moshe wrote this Torah, By Yitna Elokaihanim Bnei Levi, and he gave it to the Kohanim, who are descendants of Levi, who carry the Ark of Hashem's covenant. The El calls the Yisrael, and he also gave the Torah to all the elders of Bnei Yisrael. The Rashi, the Rashi is very short. And Rashi says, Meaning, so the, the, the Debar Mascha reads, Amisha wrote and he gave it. And Rashi um, comments, when the Torah was completely finished, he gave it to his fellow tribesmen. He gave it to, because Amisha was also a Levi, he gave it to the members of his Shevet. Atkan, 
Lushonia Shal Rashi, the Sicha. It's Vayelech Gimel, Chelak Yutes, Sif Aleph. Ala Tevis Kaihanim Bene Levi. On the words Kaihanim, the descendants of Levi, Sheba Pasuk, that are found in the Pasuk that we just read, Vayichta Mesha Satara Zeis, Mesha wrote this Torah, Vayitna El Kaihanim, he gave it to the Kaihanim Bene Levi, or descendants of Levi, Hanoisim is Aram Bris Hashem, who carry the, the ark. And to all the elders of Bnei Yisrael. So on this pasuk, Hiksha Hagoyin Haragachavar. So the Ragachavar Goyin, who we all know the Rebbe used to quote very often, and um, Rebbe had a very special relationship with him. So the Rebbe says that the Ragachavar Goyin asked on the words, on the Lashon Hakahanim Bnei Levi. On these words, Ragachavar said, this same terminology, the Kohanim or descendants of Levi, is also used. This term is also used at the end of Parsha Shaftim. So if you have a Chomish handy, let's go to that um, Pasuk. Again, it's Shaftim, very end of Parsha Shaftim, Perak Chav Aleph, Pasuk Hey. Um, but just to get the context, let's go to the beginning of that parak, parak chaf aleph, and the beginning of the parak uh, begins the Indian of the egla arufa, and so um, this is a scenario where somebody dies in a in no man's land, basically. Um, they don't lie. They don't die in a particular city. They die in a place that's kind of between cities. And um, so the Torah teaches us that there's no such thing as a victimless crime, and there's no such thing as nobody taking responsibility. Because you might think, well, it didn't fall in my territory. It didn't happen in my in my province. It didn't happen in my township. I don't have to worry about this. So the Torah says, no, this happened, and therefore it has to be accounted for. And 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 the right steps have to be taken. And so it says um, that the skenim and the shoiftim have to go out from the cities closest to the corpse and they have to measure in the directions of the cities. And the city that is closest to the, to the, to the corpse, to the person who, who, who died, um, the ziknea ear, the elders of that city have to take an egla, they have to take a heifer, um, that has not been worked, that has never drawn a yoke, and they have to take the heifer down to a stony valley that has never been used, has never been tilled, has never been worked, and they have to decapitate the calf in that valley. And this is where we get um, the words that the Ragachava going wants to draw attention to. Levi, And the Kohanim, descendants of Levi, will approach because Hashem, your God, chose them to serve Him, and to bless in Hashem's name. And they will basically adjudicate every dispute and every um, nega, like every case of tzarat, um, and, and this will come to them. So therefore, they have to be there. And then uh, the Torah the continues to say what the elders of the city that are closest to the corpse have to do and what they have to declare and so on and so forth. But the Kohanim, B'nai Levi, have to be at this, um, I guess you could call it ceremony. They have to be at this important 
uh, happening. So now let's go back into the Sikha. So the Ragatravagana says, the same term is used over there, Bedin Egla Rufa, regarding the decapitated uh, calf. And it says, that they should approach the Kaihanim, who are the descendants of Levi, the Isa Shamba Sifri, and the Sifri teaches on this idiosyncratic um, term. Why does it say Kaihanim B'nai Levi? The Sifri says, if not for this, I would think that the Kaihanim had to be perfect Kaihanim. From where would I learn? That kaihanim, the have a mum, that have uh, uh, some type of physical imperfection, uh, are also able to take part in this ceremony. Talmud Laimar B'nai Levi, we learned this from the words B'nai Levi here in this Pasuk, that uh, although they may not be able to serve as kaihanim in other um, respects in the base of Mikdash, but for this particular thing, they are still considered kaihanim as they are B'nai Levi. Vahainu. This means that the additional words b'nei levi comes to include kaihanim that have a mum that have some type of imperfection. They too are suitable uh, to to take part in this particular. Uh, I don't know. I'm calling it ceremony, but that's probably not the right word. But 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 this thing that had to take place around the Egla Rufa, the Im King. And so if we have an answer for what um, B'nai Levi means earlier in Pasha Shaifti, when it says Kaihan and B'nai Levi, we, we, we're told what it means. And over here, what does it mean when it says B'nai Levi? What is this puzzle coming to teach us by adding these words, B'nai Levi? Here we cannot kind of in, um, just uh, import what Sifri said in Parsha Shaiftim because it doesn't really make sense to say that the words um, B'nai Levi comes to include Bali Mumim, Shari Hanidun Khan, Inanyane, Inyane, Avoida, Kayetu Bazesha, Bali Mumim, Sulbahim. Because here we're not talking about any kind of uh, service in the, in the, in the base Hamigdash where it, we would even go to a place where we would think, okay, maybe because this person has a soul, they have a mum, they have a physical imperfection, they can't take part. Because it simply says, that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote a Torah and he gave it to he gave it to Kaihana Bnei Levi. So why would we even think that a mum should uh, should invalidate a, a Kaihan? And the Rebbe says, and this is from the very very few places, from the few only places Shehishir Haragatshavar Bekushia, that Haragatshavar Goin asked a question. And he remained without a reply, at least that he that he gave, that he taught. So the Rebbe says, and if Beis, the Rebbe is going to give us an answer. The Rebbe says, as has already been explained, and when he says this, he means as I have already explained many times. It is possible to learn from Rashi's parish on the Torah wondrous things. And not just in the Pshat, but also in the other aspects of Torah. The Kain who Gamb in And so it is with our Pasuk and Rashi here. 
שלפי פרש רש"י, על פי פשוטי של מקרא דווקא הקושיה הנ"ל מתורצת. That through Rashi's perush, which is alpipshat dafka, the question that the Ragachavar asks as to what do the extra words here, b'nei levi, mean, is taken care of by Rashi's explanation. Of course, the Rebbe has to point out how exactly that is. Rashi perush pasuk zeh. What does Rashi say here? Rashi says on the words, that's the deeper Hamaschil. Moshe wrote, etc., and he gave. And Rashi says, "Kishenigmara kula," and the whole Torah was completed. Nasna He gave it to the members of his tribe. Now, Mashakas of Rashi, "Kishenigmara kula." Regarding the fact that Rashi says when it was completed, the Torah was completed, this is well understood why Rashi writes this. And as the Mefarshim, the super commentaries on Rashi point out, that Rashi writes this. What is Rashi coming to take care of by saying when the entire Torah was finished? He wants to make sure that we don't make the mistake of saying because it's found here in Parshas Vayelach and it's not found in Zoysabracha. Rashi wants to make sure we understand that Moshe Rabbeinu did not give them an unfinished Torah. But rather, when the entire Torah was finished, only then did Moshe Rabbeinu give it over. He wrote it and he gave it over. Otherwise, we might think that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the Sefer Torah until this parsha, until this point, and not more. And that he actually gave it, he imparted it, to, to the Zakanim and to the members of his tribe, unfinished. Therefore, Rashi underscores that Moshe Rabbeinu gave it only when it was completely finished. In brackets, Rebbe says, now we understand why Rashi, in his Dibor HaMaschil, look back uh, two paragraphs above, the Dibor HaMaschil is Vayichtav Moshe V'goymer Vayitna. So the Rebbe says two things. First of all, Rashi could have just said Vayichtav Moshe. But no, he's commenting on the word Vayitna. And in what, um, in what fashion was it given? It was given when it was completed. And that's why Rashi also doesn't write very bikitzer, very short. He could have wrote, he could have written when it was completely finished. But no, Rashi wants to underscore that it was given in total. Rashi, I'm sorry. Because if Rashi would have just written in the Dibra Hamaschil, that would not have meant of necessity that it was complete. 
אבל מאחר שנאמר בחוסר ויתנה, but when Rashi cites in the Deber HaMaskil, in the caption for this Rashi, he writes the word Vayitna, he gave it, that, that means that when it says he wrote it, it means he wrote it completely. Why? Because Rashi would not give over a Sefer Torah that was not complete. Okay. So this is really a Maimar Muska. This is really like a tangent. This is not really the Rebbe's area of focus, but he just wants to say that what Rashi wrote um, about, you know, that it was finished, that part of Rashi we understand. when it's completely understood. Rashi. But the last few words of Rashi, the end of Rashi, but that part of Rashi, the Rebbe says, is not so understood. It would seem it would seem that Rashi is simply recapping what he's repeating what it says in the Pasuk because it says in the Pasuk so what is he telling us what's what's the news flash he's, he's simply repeating what it says in the Pasuk and if what Rashi wants to teach us is that when the Pasuk says Kaihanim, it doesn't actually mean only the Kaihanim, but rather it means that he gave it to the whole Shevet, Kol Shevet Levi, Shuv then, then we have a new question. As we already pointed out, the term appears above at the end of Parsha Shoftim, and there it does not mean the whole Shevet Levi. It means specifically and Dafka the Kaihanim. How do we know that? Because if you read the rest of the Pasuk in Parsha Shevtim, it says, Like we read, it's very, very clear that it's talking only about the Kahanim. They were chosen to bless, they were chosen to serve, they were chosen to adjudicate uh, the Tsaras, and so on and so forth. So everything in the description, in the, in the end of that Pasuk, um, in the end of Shaftim, describes Kohanim only and specifically and distinctively. And the Rebbe says, in like fashion, we find a number of places. And if you look at footnote nine, uh, you, the Rebbe um, points out quite a few places um, where this term appears. And in all of those places, even though it says, it, it means only the Kayhanim. As Rashi clarifies in the very first instance in Shaftim Yudzayin Tes, Hakayhanim Halavim. What does the term mean when it says Kayhanim Halavim? Hakayhanim Sheyatsu Mishavat Levi. This means the Kayhanim that are descendants of Shavat Levi. So therefore, and therefore, so what forces Rashi over here and our Rashi to say that when the Torah says, why would Rashi digress from what was done in the other instances and over here say that means 
And it's true that the end of this Pasuk finishes off by saying that the Mene Levi are the ones that carry the Aron. The but you could still explain like Chizkuni explains that what the Pasuk is really referring to are the Kaihanim who prepared um, the Arain in order for it to be carried by the Levi. And regarding them, it says in the end of Parshat Bamidbar, that the Bnei Kas, who are from Shevet Levi, um, arranged it so that it could be transported. And even though it's a little bit tight to explain our pasuk like this, like the Chaskuni is trying to explain it. It's closer to It's still closer to explain the pasuk that way than to explain it that over here kaihanim levim means the whole shevet levi, not just the ones that are kaihanim. Ubifrat and look in, in in the brackets, especially No matter what, you can never say that the words um, the ones who carry the the ark of the covenant, refers to the whole shevet levi. Why? Only benekas carry the aron. So the Rebbe says we have a question. And the Rebbe already told us that the answer is found in Rashi. And now the Rebbe is going to tell us how. Gimel. And the explanation is as follows. Gam kan. Kibishar hapsukim. Nokat Rashi. Shavayitna lekahane b'nei levi. Pirushay shahanesina b'poyal hisarak elekahane. Yes, here. Rashi too, as he has done elsewhere, is saying that when it says Kaihana B'nai Levi, it's only the Kaihana. Ella, however, Shemahai Taima Gufa Misareris Hashaela Shemiyashva Perushai. But it's from this itself that we're saying, no, this is only the Kaihanim that arises the question and also the answer that Rashi is going to give us. Why? Because what is the larger context of this puzzle? It's discussing the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote 13 Sifrei Torah before he passed, and he gave it to the different Shvatim and one to remain um, in, 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 the, in the, together with, with the, with the Luchais before he passed. L'chol shifte Yisrael. And as our Pasuk says, he gave it, Yisrael, he gave it to all the Shvatim through the agency of the Skenim. Shahaskenim hayunitzigehem. The Skenim were the representatives of each Shevet. Ve'im came. And if so, Kivan shenesina sifrei hatayalakahana benelevi hoitzarakalakahanim. So if we're going to take the Pasuk literally, that Moshe Rabbeinu gave one Sefer Torah to the Zikanim of each Shevet and one Sefer Torah to the Kaihanim 
from the Shevet of Levi, what, so then what are we left with? Nimsa, we're, we're left. Shenisinas Sifri Hataira, Hesalokol Shifta Israel, Milbar Halavim, the Shevet Levi. This would mean that every Shevet got one Sefer Torah, the Kaihanim got a Sefer Torah, and Shevet Levi is left without a Sefer Torah. And therefore, Rashi underscores in his parish that the Sefer was given to the whole Shevet Hainu. That this puzzle is talking about the giving of the Sefer And when it says he gave it to the Kaihanim, B'nai Levi, here it means there's a, there's a different Indian here, that he gave it to the Kaihanim for the whole Shevet, Livnei Shiftoi, through the agency of the Kaihanim for his entire Shevet Kaban. Because just like the Kaihanim served as the representatives of the other Shvatim, here the Kaihanim served as the representatives of Shevet Levi. Same thing. So here, the Kaihanim are serving in the same capacity as the Shvatim. As, I'm sorry, the Zkenim of every Shevet. And so now we understand why the Pasuk adds a seemingly redundant words, B'nai Levi. Because the Sefer Torah was given to them not as Self-standing kohanim, elaliyosim kohanim b'nei Levi, mishevet Levi, but rather the sefer Torah was given to them because they are b'nei Levi. They're from the shevet of Levi. Elashemitzat heyosim kohanim, but because they are kohanim, sarim, they are the ones that serve. They are on a different plane, mishevet Levi. Harayim b'doyim elizik neshivte Yisrael. So in this way, they are similar to the skenim of every shevet, nitzige hashevet kuloi, and so they act as the representatives of the entire shevet. Amnam, however, bechlalos oimdim akahanim oimdim bahavdo. That's a that's a typo. Amnam bechlalos oimdim akahanim bahavdala mishar shevet levi. But still, in all the Rebbe says, the kahanim always do stand separate from the rest of the shevet. Exhibit A, Machana Shechina Bafneatzmai. They had their own Machana, they had their own encampment where they rested. Aval Haperish Bazal Pipshut Shal Mikra. But what we're learning, Al Pipshut Shal Mikra says the Rebbe, Einai Shehim Nibdolim Ligamrim Beshevet Levi. It's true that they had their own encampment. It's true that they were distinguished in many ways. But still and all, the Torah is teaching us that they are not completely separate from the rest of Shevet Levi. But rather, and here comes the Rebbe's Chidush, In addition to the fact that they are B'nai Levi, that they have this distinction, they also have the superlative characteristic of being kaihanim. And uh, as you probably already guessed, the Rebbe is going to speak about these two modalities, this binary of Levi and Koyen, and what does it mean when you have them together. But first, but first, before the Rebbe goes into the into the Yenish Hultari, the Hasidus, the Rebbe is going to now 
just prove his thesis that when it says Kohanim B'nai Levi, it's pointing out the duality, the two uh, strands that are found in this demographic. And proof for this is as follows. Aleph. Rashi Mevi Beresh Parshas Bahaloischa. The very beginning of Parshas Bahaloischa, Rashi brings Lama Nismacha Parshas Hamenoy Le Parshas Hanasim. What's the connection between the uh, speaking about the Menorah with which Bahaloischa opens and the Parsha of Nasim that was the subject of the last, the end of the last Parsha? Because when Aaron saw the inauguration of the Nasim, the president of each Shevet, he became very downcast. And he wasn't counted in that special cohort. Not he and not his Shevet Levi are represented amongst the, amongst the Nasim as they were inaugurated. Omar so when Hashem saw how downcast he was, Hashem said to him, Chayecha, I swear to you, Shelcha Mishalahem. Your station is greater than theirs. Sha'ata madlik Because you will light and you will ready the neris in the base Hamidash, in, in the Mishkan of the base Hamidash. So note that the words Veloy Shiftai, not he and not his. His shavit, Rashi says, are were, were counted. And from this is proven, that although the lighting of the menorahs and the preparation of the candles, the oil and the wicks, which is in itself uh, an avoida, is really only shayach to the kohanim, but from the words of Rashi, we learn that even though just the Kehanim did it, but it seems that the whole Shevet Levi was involved. Because what Rashi teaches us is that through um, underscoring the greatness of lighting the menorah each day, the Abister took away the, the upset, the Agmas Nefesh, the, the, the upset and the, and the um, sadness of, of not just Aaron, but the whole Shevet Levi. So again, this the, what is the Rebbe trying to prove? That the words Koyhanim B'nai Levi comes to speak to a duality. And that when you talk about a Koyhain, it's not a person that's separate from his Shevet. It's a person who has both Milas. And the Rebbe gave us one proof for the way in which you can't extract a koyin from Shevet Levi. A koyin is embedded in Shevet Levi. It's true they had their own machana. It's true they had their own avoiders. But, but you can't separate them completely. And then there's another proof, base. La'acha machlekes koyrach. After the machlekes with koyrach. Omar Kadesh Baruch Lameshe. What did Hashem say to Moshe? Kach me'ita mata mata goimer shneim aser matais. Take from each shevet a stick. Twelve. Ve'shem Aaron tichtev a mata Levi, and the name of Aaron you write on the stick of Levi. Ki mata echad goimer, because there's no two things. There's not going to be a mata of Kohanim and a mata of Levi. 
Rashi, and Rashi explains Kimata Echad. And the words Kimata Echad is one stick. Afalpi Shechilaktim Lishtei Mishpechois Mishpachas Kuhuna Levad Vlevia Levad. Although Hashem says, I separated them into two Mishpachas, Kaihanim separate from Leviim, Mikomokim Shevet Echadhu. But it will always remain one tribe. So now, before the Rebbe is going to give us a Hasidus, the Rebbe is going to teach us one thing in Halacha. Afizem Muvan, Siiv Dalit. In accordance to this, is understood. Gam Belibur al Derech Halacha. When you learn in terms of Halacha, Masha Behaisavas Hatevas Hakehanim Benei Levi Besoif Parsha Shaitim. What do we learn from the words, not just Kehanim, but Kehanim Bnei Levi at the end of Parsha Shoftim? Riba Hakosov Bali Mumim. We learned, as we said in Sif Alev, that this comes to include also Kehanim that had a mum, that had some type of imperfection, that they too uh, were present <clears throat> at the ceremonial rite surrounding the Egla Rufa. Keshem shebale mumin im hayosem kohanim asher af oichlim bekachik doshim. Just as kohanim, who are bale mumin, can eat the sacrifices called kachik kachim. There's two types of carbonos. There's kachik halim and there's kachik kadashim. And when a kohen eats from it. It actually gives a kapara to the person, to the Baal ha, ha, korban, to the person who brought the korban. And when they eat it, it's part of the kapara of the korban. So, on one hand, a koyhen that has a mum can eat from kache kachem, from this holiest um, category of karbanis. And effectuate for the Baal HaKorban a kapara. And at the same time, And at the same time, the same cohort, these are the Kaihanim that have a physical imperfection, are called Zarim, they're called strangers, vis-a-vis the Kaihanim that don't have a physical imperfection. Like the Gemara Nishalmi explains, Huzar Hubal Mum. That a kayan that's a bal mum is considered a zar klape uh, vis a vis the, the different avidas um, in the base of Middash. Kemai came b'nei levi. Im heyosem shevet echadim kayhanim. The same thing, a parallel the Rebbe is drawing here with b'nei levi. On the one hand, they are called shevet echadim kayhanim. They're considered the same shevet as a kayhanim. But at the same time, they are also reckoned kizarim legabe kahanim. They're also considered strangers vis-a-vis the kahanim. Or mitzad dugma zu ha'isafa b'nei levi he ribui al mumin. And that now you can understand what the Torah is trying to teach us over there at the end of Parsha Shaftim. That for the for the the rites of the Egla Rufa, we do include the bali mumin. And so the Torah is doing the same thing here. Giving them the Torah was not that because they were holy as Kaihanim. 
they got the Torah because they were the Kohanim. As the Chabbos already explained, they were the representatives of Bnei Levi. Kohanim ha-koylelim b'teichem gam es-inin They are Kohanim that include also within them this aspect of Leviya. Although in Levia there is this strangeness vis-a-vis their service as Kohane. So in other words, Rebbe is saying that you could have a dynamic where you have a person who's a composite or a cohort that's a composite of two things. And on one hand, they're joined the fact that they are a Kohen and a Levi are both important aspects of their persona that complement each other, as the Rebbe is soon going to explain al And on the other hand, these two aspects of themselves can also be estranged from each other. Because there are certainly ways in which a Kohen who has a mum is considered a czar, a stranger, vis-a-vis his brothers, Kohanim, who are, who are who don't have that imperfection. In the same way that the Kohanim who had imperfections were able to eat the kachikachim, they were able to be present at the Egla Arufa, but it doesn't mean that they were able to do services in the Beis Hamidash. And the same thing with Leviyam. Leviya is an important aspect of the Kohanim. But it doesn't mean that because you're in Shevet Levi, you could do the Avoida of Kohanim. Hey. Omnam, however, Adayin in Zemechaber. The Rebbe says it doesn't completely compute. Yes, the Rebbe says, I brought you proofs to show you two places in the Torah where the Kohanim and the Leviim are reckoned as one. But at the end of the day, they had their own machna. They were a very distinctive, distinguished cohort. So why not give them their own sefer as kaihanim? Not as representatives of the Shevet Levi, but as kaihanim. They were self called self at the end of the day. They had their very, very own distinction. And the Rebbe says, and you know what? I'm going to ask the same question of the two things I just brought as proof. <laughs> so in other words, the Rebbe says, I brought them as proof, but now I'm going to question them as proofs. Olive. Why were they not separated? Why does the preparation and the lighting of candles also um, concern or include B'nai Levi? In exactly which way are they part of this? And, and the Matat Kahuna is especially interesting, right? Why? Because Kairach's Taina was not on the Levia, he himself was a Levi. His Taina was specifically on the Kaihanim. So you would think that the Kaihanim in this case would especially have their own Mata distinguished. You would think that in these three instances, you would especially.
especially separate the Kahanim from the Levim. And the Rebbe is now going to explain why. In the case that we are presently looking at about the Sefer even though all of Shevet Levi were granted the role of teaching to the rest of B'nai Yisrael, they all have the obligation to teach B'nai Yisrael Torah, still in all, but in the larger role of being teachers of the whole Shevet Levi, Kaihanim have a subspecialty. Because we just read, we just learned the Pasuk that says that Bnei Yisrael should come to the Kaihanim and they will teach you and they will adjudicate the, the lesions of the Tsairas and 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 other things that are difficult to understand, every, every rift. And this idea is not found at all regarding Levim. And so therefore, the Kaihanim, because they have such a very specific role of teaching B'nai Yisrael and um, making decisions, they should have had their own Sefer Torah, and not together with Levim. That's in the first instance. Beis, mitzvahs had lakas batavas handeres, shayeches rak el And when it comes to preparing and lighting the candles of Menorah, this was only kaihanim. O kalash rashi anal, sha'ata madlik o metifas handeres, you, Rashi says, you are, and you and your descendants will light and will prepare the candles. Ba'alavim asurim bazeh, im kol shifte Yisrael b'shaveh. And the Levim are prohibited equal to all the rest of an Israel, they're prohibited from, from taking part in this service. And so really the Levim should have had their own role. If they weren't going to be counted when the rest of the Nassim were inaugurated, the Ebershah should have given them something else to compensate. But how are they compensated through an Avoida that only Aaron and his children get to do? And Gimel, Tainus, Kayach, Madur, Tisnasu, Alkal Hashem, Loi Heis Al Shevet Levi Klau, Shari Kayach Ba'atzme Hayat Levi. Kayach's Taina was not on Shevet Levi. He himself was a Levi. Kim Ala Koyhanim Bifne Atzmam Dafka. Again, his Taina was a subsidiary of Shevet Levi, the Koyhanim. Ukomishinemo Bikashtam Gam Kahuna. Like he said, oh, <laughs> you're not happy with just being a pedestrian Levi like my family. You also grab the kahuna. And the whole story with the mata was supposed to be to guard. It was supposed to be a sign, a symbol that no, the Ebishter made Aaron a koyin. And in this way, Kairach Vaadasai won't complain about the kuna. And so, the Kaihanim should have had their own mata. Vav, vahabir bazeh bepnimius hinyanim. And now the Rebbe is going to answer this question. He's going to illuminate this. Alpir chasidus.
אף שהן הכהנים והן הלווים הופרשו מכל שבט ישראל לעבוד את השם ולהיות מובדולים מניוני עולם הזה. Although both the כהנים and the לווים were separated from the rest of בני ישראל to serve השם, they were separated in many ways from this physical temporal world. Still and all, there is an important difference between them. A koyen is prohibited from becoming impure, ritually impure. And therefore he's not allowed to leave from Eretz Yisrael to Chutz Laaretz. A levi, on the other hand, does not have the same prohibition. Bahainu, meaning, a koyen has to be removed completely from things that are antithetical to holiness and purity. And a koyen, just because of his personage, is not allowed to come in contact with tuma. Masha Enkin, a contradistinction, Eitzel Halevi, when it comes to the Levi, Inyan Shel Tuma Enoi Mushlo. The Inyan of Tuma is not completely eradicated, it's not completely abnegated. Ela Shebeshosh Atzaruch Lavoi Bavoidas Halevin. It's only that when he has to engage in his Avoida, Azai Olav Lehitaher. Then he has to be pure. In other words, a Koyhein, Kwa Koyhein. Avoida, not Avoida, doesn't matter, is not allowed to interface with Tuma. A Levi doesn't have that same prohibition. So on the on the vis-a-vis who he is, yes, he could interface with Tuma. When he does his service in the Beis Hamidash, no, he has to be in a state of Tahara. But that's a very big difference. In other words, it's a difference between saying it's endemic to the personhood as opposed to it's endemic to the avoida, and because this person has to do this avoida, therefore he has to be in a state of tara. <clears throat> you knew this was coming, right? Rabbi says, and it's the same thing in the strands of kahuna and levia that are found within each one of us. There's bechinas koyhin, hi hamadrega benefesh. There's the modality of koyhin, and that is found in our soul. shum On that level, on that madrega, on the level of koyhin, no tuma can touch that. No tumor can reach that. But then there's Ubechinas Levia, there's Bechinas Levi, there's the Levi inside of us. On that level, yes, tumor can reach that level. And our avoida is to abnegate, and the Rebbe says, tvila oisies habito, that immersion in the mikvah, tvila is the same words as bitl, to abnegate, es hatumah, to get rid of the tumah. Besignon acher, the Rebbe says, in a different style, beloshen hatanya, to use the loshen of the tanya. 
Koyen hu hamatzav havoida dishavcha. The koyen, that madriga is the Indian of his hafcha. When it has the 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 ra has been completely um, transformed. Kasha ain ra klal. It's become good. There's no bad. Al derech ma'adani mimacholim arevim umesukim. The Altarab explains it, uh, it, compares it to food, foods that are sweet and pleasant. Valavim and the Levim, they symbolize, and the Levi within each one of us is Skafia. Skafia is the hard work of changing and transmuting, but it's not done already. Okay, is hafcha is it's been transformed. It's done. Iskafia is shviras ubital hara, breaking and abnegating the bad. The Alter Rebbe says, madanim charifim chamutzim. This is like um, special, delightful foods made of sharp or sour foods. But they've been spiced and prepared very well, and therefore they're very delicious. And and Al Rebbe says here that the Ebrister has tremendous nachas and pleasure from both, just like a person who enjoys sweet foods and savory foods. Kavyachal, obviously. Um, so the Rebbe says that we have within us both of these strands, both of these avodas. The avoda of the kohen was completely removed from tuma, so this is already the avoda of his hafra, and then you have the avoda of his kafia. The Levi, yes, does interface with Tuma. There is this in it and still has to be worked through. Sarah, you want to ask something? Yeah, I, I, unless I've been understanding it wrong all these all my life, Hisabcha is the Avaida of transforming and elevating. Iskafya is the Avaida of actually staying away from something. Like, you know, I want to eat this food, but I'm going to have Iskafya and I'm not going to do it. Hisabcha is actually doing taking the physical and transforming it into unless i misunderstood you or i misunderstood or something is i i don't think either one i think that the terms can be used in more than one way and here the rebbe is using his to talk about a place where there is no ra anymore so it's already like it's already of, in the past I, I would almost say and and i i, I I would have to ask somebody that knows some Hasidus, but it seems to me it's almost like Tzadik and Baal uh, Okay, so it's, okay. it's in it's in the past. It's already, it's changed over. Uh, cholo bekirbi, like the right. I, I don't I don't have a Yitzhar anymore. It's Hafcha. And then there's a Skafia, there's the, the work Involved. that we're still struggling. Okay. But if somebody wants to explain differently, please, by all means, because I... Esther? Boy, you're putting me on the spot, but I think that it can mean many things. The scafia means anytime I subjugate. So if I am saying I really would love something right now, but I am like the hachamim, they give themselves two hours before they eat lunch. So it's bittersweet. They're not eating right now, but they're having food in two hours. So they're subjugating their desire to eat, Right. By booting it, well, maybe that can say it's hot, it's scuffy, it's hot, whatever. When we put push it off a little bit, that's a little bitter, but we're eating sweet food. You understand? So it, it, I don't think it's so black and white. Okay. 
It's how it's done. Have you turned it around and you have no desire or you still do, but you are diminishing, subjugating. That's the bitter sweet. I don't know. That's the way. No desire. I think over here, at least, is half is where there is no desire. Maybe maybe I'm oversimplifying it, meaning there's a lot going on in Iskafia and Ishafcha, and we use it on a simple level. Don't eat the pizza. You don't need pizza. And Ishafcha is... I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, you don't have a Yetzirah. And the pizza doesn't even wink at you. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Okay, okay. And now we understand why in these three cases specifically, the Kahanim and the Levim are intertwined. They're not separated from each other. Because in each one of these three things, there is the fixing or the holding back of something um, not perfect or not good. Because in these three things, and the Rebbe is going to delineate, you, you're talking about three instances where there was interface with something that's not 100% perfect. And therefore, in all these three places, it would not have been appropriate to separate the Kehanim from the Levium because we're dealing with things which connote an imperfection. And Kehanim by themselves, there is no place for imperfection. And in Siv Zayin, the Rebbe is going to delineate. First, let's take this first instance that we're talking about now. Nesina Sefer HaTayra. When did Moshe Rabbeinu give the Sefer Taira? It was He didn't just give it so that there should be a record from which to learn. I mean, that's that's a very important reason, but it wasn't only that. But mainly to hold B'nai Yisrael back from behavior that was not what the Ebishta wanted. And therefore he gave it dafka after reprimanding B'nai Yisrael, rebuking B'nai Yisrael, making another bris. Then we have the whole um, dramatic uh, the blessings and the curses and so on and so forth. In other words, this was not just so that there should be a rich record. This was to serve as a reminder for them not to meander and stray in, in directions that were hepach, what the Abishter wanted. So it wouldn't have been okay, Alpipnemius Hatari, to just give it to the Kaihanim. The Kaihanim have no shaykhs to this kind of behavior. Bays had lokas batabas handeus. Rashi explains to us that when did the Abishter give him to Aaron and his children 
the schus to light the menorah and to prepare uh, the candles. After Aaron experienced a weakness, chol In other words, the hainu tnuah shel tshuva haba mitzad bechinas levi shabai. The reason, when, when it says chol the Rebbe is learning that it includes that he felt that there was a spiritual weakness in himself. And therefore, the Ebishter wasn't giving him a role in the inauguration of the Nesim. So he did tshuva for that. And then came this gift of Baalais Chasaneris. But where does tshuva come to Aaron? It comes from the Bechina of Levi Shabbai. It comes from the fact that he's from the Shabbat of Levi. And from these candles, which come there or are embedded in the modality of Levia, will come light that will light up the whole world. Rabbi says, as we know, even a little bit of light. What is the whole Indian of light? It's in order to be able to dissipate darkness. So Rabbi is saying, you can't give this job of illumination, illumination just to a kohen, because illumination is for the purpose of pushing away darkness, and a kohen doesn't have a shaykh to darkness. It came beside the fact that he's a kohen who comes from B'nai Levi. And finally, as we all know, it came to redress. It came as an antidote to the machlekas of Kaira. I will rid myself of the complaints of B'nai Yisrael. And, that, and so again, because we're talking about an Indian of Tlunais, we're talking about an Indian Machloikas, Kaihanim themselves, on that level, they have no Shaykhis. They have no Shaykhis to Tlunais, they have no Shaykhis to Machloikas, they have no Shaykhis to anything other than Kedusha Vitara. So, in order to redress that, it had to include the whole Shevet Levi. The whole Shevet Levi had to redress this Indian of Machloikas. And therefore, in these three things, the Kaihanim were not separated from Shevet Levi, even though they are their own, definitely their own demographic, they have their own Machanan, they have their own Inyanim of, of Aveda, and so on and so forth. But in these three cases, they were embedded because to deal with, you could say, to deal with this world. Because the world is not just a place of Dushantara, you have to have both the Koyin and the Levi. You have to have the place that is untouched by negativity, and you have to have the place that can come face to face with negativity. On the other hand, on the other hand, Shevet Levi by themselves can't really do these things. So the Koyhanim are the Shluchim. And so in this way, in the tikkun, in the fixing, in the tshuva, 
you have both strands. You have both milos, you have both qualities. You have Bechinas, Levi, the Iskafia, Tikkun Hara. You have the subjugation, the doing of battle, and the redressing of the with and the redressing of the evil, or bechinas koyin this afra, and then you have the koyach to completely transform or maybe even eradicate shatikon arahu bitachlis hashlemos, and in this way the redressing of the evil is complete. In a way where you completely transform the darkness to light, umeriro the miska and the bitterness to sweetness, shahadavar and what has to be transformed is completely transformed to be completely, completely good. Sarah. Rifki, bring it down. You understand what I'm asking? Like, yeah, okay. you know, that, that, that's Esther's forte. I'm going to let her <laughs> do that. I'm just going to say that um, for me, there are two things that, okay, first, I'm going to tell you the truth that um, <clears throat> I, I asked the project to send me the Sikh and Lashon HaKadosh um, last week um, before Shabbos, because I wanted to use Shabbos to prepare. And at the time, they only had this one. They didn't have the one of Vav Tishrei. So first, I just, maybe some people are thinking, why did I choose this? And not the one of Tishrei, which as women, we should study the one of Tishrei. So I'm telling you the truth. Um, so the two things that really stand out for me from this sikha um, is, again, I, I'm, I'm always just flabbergasted and, and boggled by how the Rebbe takes a, a Rashi, which who would ever pay this atten- attention to, to this Rashi? Like, and completely <laughs> shows us, you know, uh, I mean, unbelievable things. And then the way the Rebbe takes everything and tells us, oh, you think that this is abstruse? You think that this is, you know, we're just learning about Kaihanim and Leviim. What's it got to do with you? Most of it is Israel, Israelim. And Unfortunately, unfortunately, we don't have the base images today, so it seems even more remote from us. And the Rebbe says, no, 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 no. This is happening right now in you, and it happens all the time in you. And one of the most remarkable things about the Rebbe Sichas is how the Rebbe very, very clearly first separates out the different strands very, very clearly draws our attention to how different things are and then creates the hiskalalos. And then he, and then he creates the, the, the synergy. It's like a symphony. And I don't know, maybe to maybe, Esther's going to tell you in a minute how to bring this down, but I'm going to just say maybe again and again to teach us like nothing is comprised of just one aspect, of just one facet. It's never just one-sided. It's not just that a machlekist only never has only one side. It's that everything in life really, you know, has to be understood or approached or appreciated for, for the different levels and the different aspects and the different, and the different modalities. And, and one needs the other. The Rebbe's pointing out here, the koyhein, as perfect as it is, in order to effectuate 
avoidance that deal in this world with the imperfections, it needs the lady, it needs the levia, it needs that aspect. And the levia with all of its, um, you know, it's circumscribed in terms of its energy because a lot of things levim can't do that the kahanim can do. So the kahanim need the, the levim need the kahanim. We need to, we need the different strands within ourselves. And as people, we need to lead on each other and we need to draw from each other the, the things that we need. Esther, please. I actually have a question. <laughs> so, um, it is interesting that the Levium can't light. The light, the ability to do Baha'u'llah Eshaneiros, to light, came after he felt sorry. So it brought out the Levium element in him, right? That's what the Sikha says. But the Levium can't light. These are one of, this is one of the works that only the Kohanim can do. So it's just I don't know. That's my question. What here, what here blocks if they propel it? If it is that that makes it happen, why does it block them from doing it? I don't know. I don't know. If there's I a- think Esther maybe, but Derek Efsher maybe it's because dafke because it's light and because light can be dafke because of the it has to come from a place of complete purity. So yeah, it could be propelled from an Indian of Levi, a brokenheartedness, a tshuva. But the light itself has to be pure. That's interesting. Not- good. Good. That's, that's very interesting. The other, the other thing that's very interesting, I don't know how it connects. I have no idea. But when I learn this stuff, I always go, the, the lighting of today in the work that is done in the Beis Hamikdash then that we do today is the Hadlokas Neiros, right? The Hashem says, if you like the Friday night, the Shabbos candles, I will show you the Neirot of Tzion. So it's interesting. How does this relate to our Aveda as women? It, it's just to, you know, it just, I don't know why it popped out at me how this affects us as women in terms of lighting the world from Shabbos to Shabbos, or uh, it, it just, uh, anyway. But sorry. Know, maybe, maybe I'm checking off the vent here uh, and making a copy <laughs> from nothing, but maybe, you know, Hadarab um, explains one of the reasons um, for why uh, a child is Jewish, or their mother is Jewish, is because there's an Indian, there's a purity of emuna in a woman that's, that's not found in, in the male counterpart. And uh, maybe again, it has to do with that kind of purity, that kind of um, undiluted, um, yeah, purity, essence. Can I give you an example, which I physically saw on Rosh Hashanah? We have a young couple in our show who became Balchuva, and um, it's the mother that's, I mean, the father is fantastic and goes to shear him, but the mother, she's, she's very smart. She's a lawyer. She's, she's a really smart woman and she struggles with, you know, being a Balchuva and she just has a lot of struggles. She has six children. Okay. And twins yesterday in Shul, um, one of the rabbis was Davning Shachris 
And he took his three children up. And then he went to these three children and he said, come and help me, Davin Shachris. And they went up. And so I'm watching this whole thing play out and the mother's not there. She came in, she sat upstairs and she looked down and she was watching her children, like all the work that she put in, she physically saw. It was, I, I was crying, she was crying. <laughs> we do light up the world. And I went up to her after and I said, all your, everything you're doing, all your work, now you, Hashem sometimes lets you see. It's the same thing with, uh, with lighting the menorah. Like, you don't always see, but someone has to do it. <laughs> and this woman just was like, I, it was the highlight of my Rosh Hashanah. Absolutely. To watch this young woman, <laughs> I can't even say it. It was just unbelievable. That's very, so yeah, thank you. I, um, I want to jump in. I have a question. Actually, I have three, but I want to ask this thing about um, that's blaring at me. I know it's a very, it's a whole, it's a whole discussion, but the whole idea, if we said that it's Sadiq, it's Sadiq Goma, right? So it's Hapcha, and that goes back to the question of Sarah, is Hapcha is here in the Sikhas totally eradicated. Same time, we're saying that. Aaron, Kohen Gadol, who totally eradicates, who has nothing to do with anything negative, Chol So, what, what, what's the answer? I know it's a whole discussion, but like, you know, it's, um, I remember I, this question. I, yeah, I think in, in, in a number of places, the Hub explains that, you know, how could you talk about Moshe Rabbeinu doing a chait? I mean, how could you talk about, you know, uh, Bemela, the rest of the world understands Sadiqim to be just maybe a little bit of a better, better version than we are. But we as Hasidim, I mean, we understand what a tzaddik is, Alpitania, but so, but it has to be understood on that level. In other words, yes, so you're talking about Aaron, and Aaron has no shaykhs to anything built Ritsuya, and still Chol Shadaita. So on that level, there was an Indian where he felt that there was an imperfection and and there was some kind of deficit, and and he did shuva, but it's not the pedestrian type of ra that. Uh... Right. So I knew I know that answer. Thank you. But the question is that first of all, you would imagine that because here we're talking about this aspect of total abnegation, total eradication. I'm sorry. So then maybe they never would have mentioned it. Like even though, da, 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 but on his love, you you know what I'm saying? We're taught. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it was jar. It was jarring. Yeah, but I think that's the that's precisely why it says B'nai Levi. That no matter am, who, yeah, Aaron is yeah, going to be. But, you're but, not, but it's like it's like, it's a little bit like they looked into the room and you're not even saying it because really those of us that studying it we know it already. I mean, Rifki's right, but Rifki's right. And, and the Tanya explains that the element of Iskafi, of Ishapcha, is a tzaddik, where you complete, where it becomes good. But even in Iskafia, a tzaddik, or at least a Rebbe for sure, has that element in them, but it comes from outside sources. 
It's what's from the chassidim or from the world that needs to be. It doesn't, it's not in him. It's not his person's avayda. It's his avayda as a, as a leader, as a tzaddik, you know, where that's, where that ever sweating bullet, you know, he's sweating after, uh, after Yechidus or, or he has to have time to find the one thing wrong in him so that he can affect the change in someone else. Even if you look at Aaron, it didn't come from him. It came from Ami Stro, the Ereva. They wanted a, an eagle. Marsha um, hit the rock after he was provoked. So, but in our case, let's take our oh, case. So, Aisha, as a Rebbe, a tzaddik can't just separate. He still has to affect. So he has to have. He has to be able to do both. So you're but, saying he was he was worried about Shavit Levi. Who is worried about Shavit Levi? Because our example, our example was Aaron. As a leader, him. he must be leader of Kohanim. He must be leader of of Levim. He must also be leader of Yisraelim because he's Kohen Gadol. So he must be able to do all of it. Because if he can't, then he's too removed from us. So then how does it affect us? That was the brilliance of the Rebbe. Yeah, you have to bring in the Levi. The brilliance of the Rebbe is that you felt, you felt with all your wrongdoings that you mattered, that you were elevated. You were elevated with all your with all your chesrein, with everything. You're good and also, nothing. dare I say, that the Rebbe <laughs> understood our struggles. That's exactly the point. Mm. But if you don't have the element of iskafia, if you don't have that in you, that you everything has been turned around to good, then how do you know the struggle of someone else? With a Yetzirah, I'm not talking about struggle of health or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? How do you know it? So you must have that element. But by exotic, it comes from outside. And that's exactly what the Sikh is saying. It's from Shevet Levi, not from, not from Kahuna. <coughs> mm -hmm. That answers that question. Thank you. Appreciate it. I just mm -hmm. want to remind everybody that our next class will be on Monday. <coughs> After that, the next two will be on Wednesday. Um, and wish everybody a Gemach HaSimateva, a good Geben Shtiar, Beteva Nirva Nidla and Kol Tov Sela. Please continue for bringing. I just have to leave and I didn't want to be rude. So I just Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, Ricky. Same to you. Uh, Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you.